Hello everyone and welcome back to Unapologetic, a podcast by Girl Up Brisbane. It's so crazy to believe we're already on to our fourth episode. This week, our theme is Women for Wellbeing. My name is Sky, and today I'm interviewing the entrepreneur, innovator, and kindness spreader, Makara Ramson. Thank you so much for joining me, Makara. How is your year been so far? Thank you so much, Sky, for having me on this podcast. And I think the work you're all doing is fantastic. And I'm a big fan of the show. It's very inspiring. It's so important to see representation. Oh, yes. uh, my year is going well. Um, <laughs> Started it with a lot of reflection, given what 2020 has been, and yeah. a much more um, sort of conscious, much more proactive decisions about my mental well-being and and focus for this year. Yes. Well, that's how about great. yourself? How has your year been so far? Oh, it's definitely been a year of change and opportunity, and just uh, reaching out and um, grasping everything that I can. So it's it's been a great year so far. But yes, definitely focusing on well-being and. Um, on my inner strength. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's so great. So Mikara, I know that you're passionate about so many different things. And here at Girl Up Brisbane, we're pretty familiar with your amazing company, Mixed Chai, where we purchased a few of your amazing chai tea products at Christmas. Would you be able to share a bit about uh, this wonderful organization and your reason for starting it? Yeah, thank you, Sky, and I, I hope you enjoyed many delicious cuppers. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a cup of chai right now, actually. It's <laughs> yeah, it is my I'm favorite. I'm a bit of a, a chai addict. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> yes, I can't stop thinking about it. You know, yes. how some people need coffee. I yeah. need chai. No, that's, for me, it's that's the same. You've got to have my iced chai in the morning. Just no coffee, just my iced chai. <laughs> amazing and great yeah. for the heat of Brisbane. Too. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> Oh, she's amazing. And um, I think for me, um, sort of um, core behind why I started Mixed Chai and actually the center of a lot of the work I do in the entrepreneurial space is a real belief um, in the sort of mantra of mine that stories save lives. And mm -hmm. for me, um, growing up, especially um, at the different intersectionalities I walk, um, I identify, there was a lot of um, journey sort of and um, conversations that needed to be had in, in my journey and for me the most comfortable and safe place to do that has been over a cup of chai and it's actually my grandmother's recipe and um, I have so many fond memories of sitting down with my Aji, my um, uh, paternal grandmother and um, just knowing that that was always a safe place especially as a young person where I could share um, anything and feel um, listened to and connected. And yeah. I was particularly um, wanting to address uh, the issue we face in Australia, where the biggest killer of people under 42 here is suicide. And I went to, um, sort of had my ideas in a rural area in Albury-Wodonga, if anyone's from there. And when you actually live in a rural community, you are two times more likely to attempt suicide. And I was really yeah. moved by that. And yeah. I knew what helped my mental well-being is having a safe place to talk and connect. And so... Mixed Chai was, was sort of born as a vehicle to create safe places for conversation where we sourced ethical, delicious chai and um, our whole branding was around conversations over a cuppa, conversations that matter, and then 50% of the profits go to suicide prevention organizations. That's, that's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. And as well as founding Mixed Chai, 
You're also the founder of Ethnic LGBT, a beautiful website which offers support, education, and mentoring for culturally and linguistically diverse LGBT plus individuals. Would you be open to sharing a bit of your personal story to finding and feeling comfortable with your own identity and how this led to you using your voice and sharing your stories through ethnic LGBT and other platforms? Thank you so much, Sky. Yes, that's definitely more of a personal journey. And, um, you know, as someone who identifies as part of that space, um, a big part of my journey was I remember being 17 years old and mm -hmm. sitting my parents down over a cup of tea as they came home from work and sort of of youth said, you know, I, I found um, someone I want to marry. Um, and the context being my parents met in high school my sister and her now husband met in high school. So I thought the first person you dated in high school, yeah. you had to marry. Um, and so, you know, I wanted, it was so excited to love them. And I remember down and saying, you know, her name is. And just the use of that, um, you know, pronoun and um, just sort of uh, the shock that passed over their faces and, it sort of began this duality because of the lack of representation um, from Australian culture and was forgetting my Indian culture. And so it actually sparked a duality where I felt I had to choose between being Indian or being, being gay, being queer. And yeah. um, because I could not see myself and I knew statistically, surely that wasn't the case, but there was nothing on Australian media, television, Instagram was just taking off. The stuff on YouTube was really dismal, really sad, always ended in a very tragic way. Mm. Um, it actually reinforced that narrative where I thought, is this something I've learned? Um, you know, and it only as I got older, sort of realized and could break down. And I actually wrote my parents a letter unpacking a lot of the fears held and it took 10 years, but we got to a point where we turned a corner and created a home of love and acceptance to the point now where my mom is helping me plan my big Indian wedding in September this year. And it's incredible, you know, oh, to, to have that journey. And actually, oh, thank, <laughs> thank you so much, Sky. It's okay. so wonderful to have that privilege of marriage. And, yeah. um, you know, in 2017, we turned that corner for other people who are identifying that space as culturally and linguistically diverse or people of color or ethnic and algorithm. And that did wonders when you can walk into a room and your story is similar to others and you can see yourself, it makes you feel visible. And especially as a young person did wonders for my mental health. So I founded an organization called Ethnic LGBT plus and aimed it at resources for communities that walked at that intersection from you know, translating existing resources out there to bring in cultural values, mm -hmm. uh, things like coming home or inviting people in instead of coming out is a more common term in space. Um, yeah. And through that was a, a wonderful to be backed by the Westpac Social Change Fellowship, travel to the Asian Pacific, um, learn from countries, cultural resources back to the populations in Australia and actually inform um, state and federal policy on LGBTIQA issues. So that's now moved into a not-for-profit run by a management team of eight. And we continue to work on the belief that stories save lives and help members of that community see themselves and be represented from policy to, to media. So that's yeah. kind of the journey there. I wanted to share um, the journey my family and I have been on too in the hope that others would see themselves in that and not feel alone. Yeah, 
that's so amazing. And I'm so happy that you're you're there and helping people and help them understand that their story is is like a part of their identity as well. And yeah, that's that's very beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Um, and obviously mental health and identity is a big part of your life. As it is, I'm sure, and everyone who's listening. Um, what advice do you have for school and university students who may be struggling with mental health and well-being or with different elements of their identity? I think the, um, the biggest thing that helped me um, when I was navigating school and university and uh, navigating my identity, uh, identity around my sexual identity it's a hard thing to do, but just having the courage facing of being rejected out of fear of bringing perceived shame to my family and the cultural notions around, you know, don't confide outside of your family homes, uh, things you're going through. But it truly was when I began to confide and share my story that I began to see myself and see, learn from others. And this advice um, I would have for young people in that space is um, find find safe places to share your story because they are out there. There's so many great um, groups and online communities know that your story is a privilege. You don't owe anyone your story and there will be some people who don't get it, but remember it's your story to own. And just how, I think another thing that really helped me was that um, each day does get better and you just have to be up to show for it. Um, and that gave me a lot of hope uh, visualization. Yeah. I would sit down and create what I'd call a happy bubble, where I'd fill it with what I wanted my future to look like, which was mm -hmm. a home of love and understanding between my parents and I. And having that visualization and holding that image in my head gave me a standard of my future that you know, unconsciously we started to work towards. So those two sort of techniques really helped my mental well-being when I was yeah. at my lowest points, which was particularly during university workload and navigating mm -hmm. um, who I was as a person yeah yeah because i i could i'd understand that that would be so much just um and not having the support back then because obviously it wasn't as as supportive back then as it is now um there's so much more resources i find today for so um, yeah, for mental health and and your identity and discovering who you are without the judgment um and so i'd understand that back then it would have been so difficult. So it's great to hear your advice. It's um, but yeah, so thank you. Um, and now I also noticed that you were nominated. Thanks, That's okay. Yeah, and I noticed that you were nominated for Young Australian of the Year in 2019. And you are also an AFR Top 100 Woman of Influence. And as you mentioned before, a Westpac Social Change Fellow. The list seems never ending, which is so inspiring. Um, and for others like yourself who have a passion for change making, what would you tell younger girls and women who are interested in launching their own initiative, but maybe unsure as how to approach this? Yeah, great question. And I think when I reflect back as to how I started, um, you know, there's fear along every state and that's normal. I had quite a traditional background in the sense of completed school, um, went and did a law and economics degree for oh, six wow. years, did honors for another year, was at uni for seven years, yeah. uh, began a corporate job as an economist at Deloitte Access Economics. Mm -hmm. And it was really when I turned this corner with my parents that I felt I had the courage to pursue my childhood dream of being a social entrepreneur. And yeah. 
um, you know, even though that was a dream I held since I was 10 years old, at um, 26, when I sort of finished my studies, left and started that full-time job in, in Sydney, um, it was still really hard to, to leave what you know. And so yes. I think acknowledging that and knowing that change is scary, but um, it helped me having a plan through that year. I sort of worked out my finances to say, okay, I know starting your own thing costs money and you're not going to earn an income for a little while. How can I support myself? So I, I did things like I moved out of Sydney. I, I knew I couldn't live there without a full-time job. I moved to communities that were supportive of launching my initiative. Um, I was lucky to have uh, sort of networks in the Byron Bay community and, and have the support of that community where there's such a focus on growing good business. But the things, um, the mindset and the books that sort of helped me, I really recommend to young women and girls looking to launch their own business in particular. I really enjoyed um, The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibu, where he makes the point that you only need three things to get a business ground you could do that in a day um a pro meeting a need and helping people and i think that's phrased so nicely because that product or service is not getting traction the question becomes well how can i help people more and you find you start solving a need inherently by thinking in that way of helping people to um somewhere for people to hear about you so i I jumped on YouTube and learned how to do a WordPress site. And, you know, now Shopify exists and yeah, it's quite yeah. accessible. And um, three, a way for people to pay you. So I got a free mm -hmm. PayPal account. But like um, through all these platforms that exist, um, you know, you can create that free mechanism. And, you know, with these three things, that's how you can launch. So very tangible, practical steps. But yeah. the mindset around it took me a lot longer. And to yeah. be honest, it took me a good six to seven months. And it wasn't until I enrolled in my incubator program with the Foundation for Young Australians and I found a network of other people similar in age who were doing this. That really gave me the confidence and the determination to continue. Because starting your own thing, I found that when I had a computer meeting, other people doing that, that really boosted my confidence to keep going. So those were the two sides that helped me launch my own initiatives. That's incredible. So basically one side is ensure that your mental health is up there just because um, I, I would think going into the field of social change, a lot of the times you're, you're basically empathizing with a, a, a very large amount of people and you don't want to take on too much that'll drag you down. So you'll have to have that mental health ready, but also have those practical steps. So that's very, very helpful. So thank you for that. That's a, that's a great point, Sky. When you're working in spaces where there are cycles of disadvantage, where you're trying to create um, a real tangible difference to people's lives, it, yeah. it's so important to make sure your cup is full in doing that. And, you know, I found I was my best when I was looking after myself and really yeah. flipping that narrative on um, you have to deplete yourself in order to serve and that fine yeah. line between service and subservice. Yeah. Um, I think it's a it's a hard one for people in this space because their hearts are in the in the right place. Yeah. But you got to fight. It's a marathon. You mm. got to fight, fight um, for a long time. So yeah. uh, make sure you look after you. Yes, that's a great point. So all our listeners, look after you, especially if you're going in and trying to help other people. Uh, it's so important. And even if you're not, always look after yourself and love yourself. And now. Uh, 
I think 2020 was definitely a year of learning to adapt and learning to change with uncertainty and lessons, which I'm sure will certainly be very, very helpful as we go into further into this year, 2021. So what are your hopes and goals for this year? And do you have any upcoming projects you're aiming to launch? And what are your hopes for Mixed Try? Thanks, Guy. Big questions. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a mindset that's helped me cope um, with sort of the rapid changes that 2020 presents and where day to day, you know, we're looking at is it a lockdown day? Um, what's happening around the world? Uh, you know, and, and the pandemic was part of a series of world events that occurred last year. I then really recommend to the listeners to look up a concept called um, anti-fragility. The idea being instead of resilience, um, anti-fragile thinking is uh, needing um, shocks and sort of waves to, to grow. So a puzzle that becomes stronger, the more sort of shocks and impact it takes. And um, that was a really interesting concept that helped me frame 2020 and, and my hopes and goals for 2021. And um, yeah, I sort of sat down in January and had a hard look at what I want to achieve from this year and of course we had to do a lot of pivoting last year with the physical we were selling at markets we had trade shows and everything moved to online and yeah. um, you know we were fortunate we had a, a customer base uh, because our wholesalers such as cafes um, mm. you know they didn't have any business and mm. um, just how dynamic the system became but mm. for me this year is really a year of learning I, I felt um I learned so much last year from Mixed Chai first year in in um, scalable operation where, you know, we sort of put the processes in place and we're looking to actually go um, international. And at the start of last year, we were talking to tea suppliers around the world and everything got put on halt. And um, <laughs> me, <laughs> thanks so much, Sky. Yeah, but for me, it's, um, it's a learning of that next phase. And um, I've actually enrolled in some part-time uh, courses at university again, and um, I'm doing some work for some other larger organizations to learn, all right, how do I take my business to the, the next level? So I'm really excited by this year. It'll be a big year of learning and then a big yes. year of wedding planning. So yes. that's oh, my yes. 2021. It's so exciting. It's, it's such a big year for you and such an exciting year as well. I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thank you, Sky. You're welcome. <laughs> and now, other than purchasing your chai products or contributing funds through Patreon to ethnic LGBT, are there any other ways our listeners could become more involved with mixed chai and or ethnic LGBT? Thank you, Sky. Look, I, I'd say um, all I could ask from your listeners is um, just to um, sh share their wonderful stories and to create spaces for others to share their stories and together I think we can create really inclusive spaces um, particularly if you notice colleagues friends or family members who are needing a space to talk um, being able to create that space for them and and also acknowledging stories can be heavy and seeking support where it's needed so I think the best way to support any of the work I do is um, for the individual to help me create inclusive spaces through storytelling, which is what we're so passionate about at yeah. Mixed Chai and Ethnic LGBT+. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Cara. It has been an honor to have you on our podcast. If you're interested in supporting the Cara, head to www.ethniclgbt.com and www.mixedchai.com 
For more information about her generous and extremely inspiring work, you can head to our Instagram page, Girl at Brisbane, to see these details as well. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Sky. I so enjoyed starting off the morning and thank you for listening to my story and I hope it, it's of help to others as well. Oh yes, it will be. It was my pleasure. I'm, I'm inspired and I can't wait to see where Mixed Try Nephew LGBT is. So thank you.